It's the Pete Callender Show. With more than 20 years as a reporter and radio host in North Carolina, Pete Callender is helping solve the world's problems one podcast at a time. Because he's a giver. And now, here's Pete. Alrighty, what's going on? It is, what, Tuesday? Yeah, Tuesday, August 18th, 2020. Uh, did you watch the Democratic National Convention, everybody? No, I didn't either, actually. Didn't watch any of it last night at all. Uh, it's one of the ways that COVID has helped in that uh, I really felt no pressure to watch a bunch of teleprompter speeches to a, uh, to a camera. Uh, it, I just, like, in years past, I would have watched some of the speeches. In real time, I did not. This morning, I went back and watched uh, a couple of clips and then the entire speech by Andrew Cuomo, which I will get to first. I want to give a thanks, give a shout out to the patrons that help make the program possible. People like Daryl and Ed and Easy and Gene and Ben and John and Tim and Richard, Nick, Eric. I appreciate all of the support. I couldn't do it without you guys. And um, I will play the Andrew Cuomo speech in case you hadn't heard it or seen it you really didn't miss a lot and if you did miss it don't worry you'll be able to read all about it in his book which is being released soon i'm not i'm that's actually not a joke he's releasing a book to tell us all how to lead during a crisis that's i'm still not kidding it's really the case he's writing a book try to tell us all how to lead during a crisis. All righty, so I have the audio here, and um, he gave this address. This was the very beginning of the DNC, as I understand it. This was uh, one of the first speeches, um, and, well, I'll be stopping it as I go, and I anticipate getting through the entire speech. It's only six minutes long. Also, we have your response, your reactions to the story uh, from yesterday about Madison Cawthorn, the 11th congressional district candidate and the latest accusations against him. And so we'll get to those as well. But first, here is New York Governor Andrew Cuomo. Hello. Today's Monday, day 170. New Yorkers were ground zero for the COVID virus. Okay, wait. So day 170 of what? I'm, I, I know what he's... It's day 170 of coronavirus, I guess. But what is that? Day 170, he just left out a line? I don't know. I know I'm being nitpicky. It's very beginning, very beginning of the speech. Maybe he was a little nervous. I don't know. And have gone from one of the highest infection rates on the globe to one of the lowest. Okay, so now he's got a chart that is showing uh, a lot of deaths, and then like it all goes down again. So it's this huge bulge, a big spike at the beginning, and then it goes down, and now it's minimal. It's we won. We've defeated the virus, even though it's still killing a few people. But we defeated it. It's not as bad as it was at the beginning. We climbed the impossible mountain. And right now we are on the other side. We did it with the kindness and assistance of so many. New Yorkers want to thank everyone who came to our aid. Except Franklin Graham and the Samaritan's Purse people. Yeah, They didn't appreciate you guys coming to help. I mean, don't get me wrong. You helped, but you're Christians. And so they didn't really like that. But uh, but everybody else, totally thank you. So 30,000 Americans who volunteered to come here to help in our hour of need. Your love gave us the strength to carry on. We went through hell, but we have learned much. 
We know that our problems go beyond the COVID virus. COVID is the symptom, not the illness. Wait, what? No, that's not correct at all, actually. No, COVID is actually the illness. Coronavirus is the the virus that gives you COVID-19. COVID is the, is the, yeah, that's the disease. It's not a symptom. Oh, it's an analogy he's trying to make. Our nation is in crisis. And in many ways, COVID is just a metaphor. Mm. A virus attacks when the body is weak and when it cannot defend itself. Over these past few years, America's body politic has been weakened. <laughs> the divisions have been growing deeper. The anti-Semitism, the anti-Latino, the anti-immigrant fervor, the racism in Charlottesville, where the KKK didn't even bother to wear their hoods. And in Minnesota, where the life was squeezed from Mr. Floyd. Only a strong body can fight off the virus. So I'm 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 thinking this analogy is that Trump is the comorbidity like Trump is obesity or Trump is diabetes or or what Trump is a respiratory illness a pre-existing condition is that the idea here and America's divisions weakened it Oh it's America Donald divisions. Trump didn't create the initial division the division created Trump he only made it worse I love the um, the the sort of view from nowhere as well that Cuomo offers, as if it's just you know the division that's caused by those other people. <laughs> it's never it's never anything he says or does. It's never anything the Democrats say or do. It's it's always the Republicans. The Republicans are causing the division here, and this is quite a way to start the the DNC. Our collective strength is exercised through government. It is in effect our immune system. Oh my God! All right, I know I'm. Look, I'm a minute and a half in. I've got five left. I'm going to get through this. But holy Toledo, the government is the immune system. Are you for real right now? The government is the immune system. If ever there is a difference in the mindset of uh, of a of a liberal, of a Democrat, Andrew Cuomo just expressed it right there, right? That the belief that the government is the immune system for all of us, for all of the society. It's GovCo that does that. No, no, it's actually not. And our current federal government is dysfunctional and incompetent. It couldn't fight off the virus. In fact, it didn't even see it coming. You, it's, oh my God. Oh my God. So this is, so the virus killed a bunch of people because the federal government didn't see it coming because, why? Because China lied about the virus and didn't tell people and ended up letting everybody fly out of Wuhan. Sorry, am I allowed to even say the name? Like this, this is one of the most frustrating things in dealing with a pandemic in these, in these times. It really is this constant politicization of every single thing about the virus. It was a virus. It, it infects people and it kills people. That's what viruses do. This idea that, oh, if we just had a strong enough federal government, oh, if only Hillary was in charge, right, then none of this would have happened. And that's just not true. And he makes it sound like, but for Trump, we would have licked this thing, right? But for Trump, we would have been able to prevent the coronavirus, COVID-19, we would have been able to prevent it from happening here. This from a guy, right, who mandated that nursing homes take COVID patients, thereby killing thousands of the elderly in his own state. 
as David Harsanyi said, hang on a second, where is it? He called it shameless and vulgar self-aggrandizing, and the only reason that Cuomo is able to get away with this is because of criminal lack of media scrutiny. Could you imagine, everyone's favorite game, could you imagine if Ron DeSantis in Florida or Henry McMaster in South Carolina or whoever the governor is in Arizona, could you imagine if they had done something like Cuomo? Could you imagine just just swap out Cuomo for a Republican governor and in, in whatever state and those numbers and his policy, his actions, his decisions, right? It would be, he'd probably be run out of office by now. He probably would have to resign. But because it's Cuomo, he gets he gets to kick off the DNC and he gets to pretend it gets worse, by the way. But he gets to pretend that he he oversaw victory in his state. It is shameless and vulgar, self-aggrandizing. Now, if your website is in a vulgar state, uh, you probably need some uh, somebody to help you with that. I know just the person. It's Schaefer Smith at Schaefer Smith Design. Uh, you know how to run your business. You probably don't know how to run a website very well. So uh, he can help you with that. Good design can solve a lot of your website's problems. Uh, you want it to be user-friendly, not just for customers, but also for you. So you can get in there and update and adapt to whatever you need to at uh, any given uh, moment. He does professional services, corporate, small businesses, and entrepreneur websites. He can help you with graphics and photos and online stores, search engine optimization, website maintenance and security. He does design for logos as well. He did my design for the Pete Callender Show. Go to SchaeferSmith.com and get the most out of your website. That's SchaeferSmith.com. All right, Andrew Cuomo, back at it. The European virus infected the Northeast while the White House was still fixated on China. Wait, 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 the European virus? The European virus, because it mutated. See, and, and this is why, oh, the White House was still fixated on China, right? Because China was lying at this time. China was hoarding PPE, right? They were buying up all these, uh, all the equipment, the personal protective equipment. They were pressuring the World Health Organization to tell everybody it wasn't a big deal. They were lying about where it started, how it started, and the severity of it. And, um... They were kicking media out of their country so nobody could report what was actually occurring. And uh, then the the virus spreads to Europe first because there were large populations of Chinese immigrants and visitors who had come back from the big celebrations and such. And it, it rips through Europe. It mutates because, again, that's what viruses do. It mutates and then that strain gets to New York. Right. That's the theory here. And so he calls it the European virus, which I think is kind of racist, isn't it? Right. That's I'm just saying when you start naming viruses after places, you have the ability to demean people. Right. Like that's that's what I was told about why we can't call it the Wuhan virus, because that's racist. The European virus would be racist, too, unless what Europe it doesn't count if it's a European virus. Is that why? I'm not sure. What are the rules here? Are there rules? I'm going to need a ruling on this. All right, so uh, it's the European virus, and it gets to New York, and Donald Trump is too busy trying to restrict travel from China, which, by the way, I point out, was something Democrats attacked him for and told everybody uh, prior to the the China ban, travel ban, uh, he uh, was attacked, Trump was attacked for doing that, and then Democrats said, please, 
Come to Chinatown, right? Mayor de Blasio in New York City, right? Super spreader de Blasio say, oh, come on down to Chinatown. Everybody go out, party, have a good time. And then, of course, everybody does. They continue living life. And then the subway system becomes a super spreader. And um, they can actually track this. They've tracked it. I went over this uh, a couple months ago uh, that the subway system was a super spreader. Oh, and then you had New Yorkers that began fleeing because they realized their local governments and their state government uh, was so incompetent to handle it that they began fleeing. And then they started spreading the virus all over America. And this is the guy who oversaw all of that, who took three months to disinfect the subways, right? Three months. And they said, hey, you know what? Maybe every night we should uh, sanitize down, disinfect all of the uh, subway cars. Yeah, maybe we should do that. It might, uh, I don't know, might help limit the spread of this this virulent strain of the virus that's that's killing all sorts of our citizens. Maybe we should do that. Yeah, let's get on that. Three months in. By the way... If you are looking to do some sanitizing work, then the Karcher misting uh, system is what you need. It's got the vital oxide disinfectant, and you get it at General Equipment Rental in Weaverville. Your source for the Karcher Mister. Realtors, property and apartment managers, venue operators, schools, child care facilities, Airbnb owners, homeowners, business owners. Like, I can think of basically limitless uh, uses for this Mister. Because it's safe for kids and pets. It's safe for the food contact surfaces. You don't have to uh, rinse it down, wipe it down or anything because it's non-toxic. It's hypoallergenic. It's odorless. It's colorless and 100% biodegradable. And this vital oxide disinfectant is hospital-grade, EPA-approved, all-in-one germicidal disinfectant sanitizer and a deodorizer. It kills 99.9% of infection-causing bacteria and viruses including coronavirus, but also the others like influenza B, H1N1, E. coli. Oh, it also kills mold and mildew and fungi. So if you've got uh, like water issues, moisture issues in like your crawl space or basement, great idea here, Karcher Misting System. It's like the size of a shop vac, four independent wheels. You roll it around, it's cordless, you just spray everything down. And by the way, when you do that, uh, the surface is good for a week to 10 days, uh, it's all sanitized and disinfectant. So if you're looking to do this to keep your customers and workers safe, then uh, you just have to spot clean the high traffic areas. The Karcher Mister, it's a general equipment rental in Weaverville. Uh, it's at the intersection of Merriman Avenue and Reams Creek Road, family owned and operated for three generations, meeting all of your equipment rental needs from construction and earth moving to lawn and garden. Whatever the project, general equipment rental has the tool that you need. Go to generalrents.com. That's generalrents.com forward slash Pete, and you'll get two free uh, face coverings, cloth face coverings. So generalrents.com slash Pete, general equipment rental in Weaverville. Think outside your toolbox. Back to Governor Cuomo. I'm a minute and 46 seconds into his five minute and 10 second speech. The virus had been attacking us for months before they even knew it was here. We saw the failure of a government that tried to deny the virus, then tried to ignore it, and then tried to politicize it. That's, I think he's talking about de Blasio down in New York City. That's right. It's, it's amazing. What really is amazing is that people want there to be a political explanation for results of COVID. And generally speaking, there isn't. Aside from a few policy decisions that were made, like this idea that, oh, they didn't, the government didn't even know, Trump didn't even know it was here. Hey, um, 
Einstein, you didn't know it was here either. Or are you saying you did know it was here and you just let everybody die? That actually would make sense as to why you forced all the nursing homes to take the COVID patients so they could spread it amongst themselves in the nursing homes and kill the most vulnerable people in the society. Um, But really, like nobody knew. They found a case. The first case in America has now been traced back, the last I saw, uh, traced back to a woman in January in, I want to say, the Bay Area of California, San Francisco. Um, and, And nobody even knew she had it. They didn't know what it was because China didn't tell anybody. And when they first started seeing the virus there, they didn't know what it was either. Unless, of course, you buy into the belief that like they created it in a lab and it, it escaped the lab and then they just covered it up from the beginning. Um, and, and that might be true. I don't know. Well, I don't think they could. I, I think the studies have shown, the research has shown that it was not man-made. However, I believe that the evidence is pretty strong that it, it broke containment from the lab because it's not the first time that that would have happened at that very same lab. At any rate, point is, nobody really knows when a virus starts spreading like this, you are always playing catch-up. Always. This idea that the federal government should have been able to know that a virus had had, had um, mutated, had arrived, had started infecting people when there was only very few people. And again, this virus, with all of its asymptomatic uh, expression throughout the population, how, how do you... How do you expect government to know so much? Don't answer that. That's actually kind of a scary answer I'm anticipating from a Democrat on that. If I, how do you expect government to know all that? Well, if we just put these chips in every or a health ID card or yeah. All right. The failed federal government that watched New York get ambushed by their negligence oh and then God. watched New York suffer, but all through it learned absolutely nothing. Yeah, that's what happened. Yeah, that's what happened. New, the federal government watched New York get ambushed, watched the city, <laughs> watched the state get ambushed. Is That's not an ambush then, is it? And like as if there's some, again, he, he's like, uh, this is anthropomorphication, right? Where you, uh, you ascribe or assign human characteristics to non-humans. Uh, this happens a lot of times with like pets, your family, cat and dog, like, oh, my dog. He, he's just like a human. Like, no, he's not. He's not a human. It's a dog. It's. It, I mean, they're cute and they're very, they can be smart, but still a dog, not a human, right? So this this is what he's doing with the virus. That somehow or another, the virus like laid in wait and then yeah, like pounced and seized, almost like a Republican onto the 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 state of New York and uh, the you know the federal government and Trump. They're just sitting back. They see the virus and they see him getting ready to pounce. They see it getting ready to seize. And they're like, oh, we'll just let that happen. Is that what really happened? Or maybe, you know, it's a highly contagious virus and viruses are going to virus. Could that just, again, like, this is how conspiracy theorists operate all the time. Because they cannot or 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 will not accept the reality that life is chaos, that things happen and... Uh, people are oftentimes powerless to stop bad things from occurring. And um, it's why people construct elaborate conspiracies, because it helps them try to make sense of things that they cannot make sense of. So it's easier to believe uh, that there was some grand government conspiracy that brought down the Twin Towers, for example, rather than 
19 guys with box cutters overpowered the crew on four planes and flew three of them into buildings and one into a field, right? Um, it's, it's one of the hallmarks. And this is what this sounds like to me. This is what this, this speech by Cuomo sounds like to me. Sounds like uh, the beginning threads of a conspiracy theory that's being woven. And I don't think he's stupid enough to do this on accident. I think this is going to be something that they that the left intentionally does uh, in order to try to make this into a conspiracy that the government wanted, the federal government under Trump wanted this to occur. I suspect that's where we're going, if we're not already there. I haven't been hanging out on the conspiracy chat boards recently, so maybe we're already at that point. So today, six months after it began, the nation is still unprepared. And we now face a second threat, but this time not from Mother Nature. Mm -hmm. This is a man-made threat by our own negligence. Uh What is it? We now see the virus ricocheting across the country from one state to another. Today, we trail the world in defeating COVID. We have over 5 million cases. That's, again, I've gone over this repeatedly. A case count number is basically irrelevant. Also, uh, Governor Murder, uh, the reason why our uh, deaths are so high is because of you. Like, your state has more deaths than... Uh, was it Texas and Florida combined at this point? So you're in no position to cast any stones about any kind of governor's reactions. Now, he's blaming Trump, obviously, for why the virus is, quote, ricocheting. Like, viruses don't ricochet. Viruses don't ricochet. They infect. It spreads. Just like, you know, it did in your state, Governor. With the subways. Could you imagine if we had a nationwide rail system? (laughs) Right? Talk about a super spreader event. Oh, my goodness. Americans learned a critical lesson. How vulnerable we are when we are divided. And how many lives can be lost when our government is incompetent. But we learned something else, my friends. We saw the negative, but we also saw the positive. As they proved their way failed, we proved that our way succeeded. What? That America can still rise to the occasion. We can put our differences aside and find commonality. Government can tell the truth and can build trust. This, oh my God. This is, you know what this is called? I know I use the term a lot. Gaslighting. This is gaslighting. Our way worked? Our way worked. Well, I guess that's true. You kill off all the most vulnerable immediately, just let them all die, and everybody else gets the T-cell and herd immunity, right? I guess that, sure, that's like the Sweden model. But I was under the impression that that Democrats on the left didn't like the Sweden model, what Sweden was doing, which was saying basically, no, just try to protect the vulnerable, but we're not going to... uh, We're not going to close down the economy. We're not going to do mask mandates. Not doing that. Kept the schools open, right? By the way, you know what New York is getting ready to do? Open schools back up. Yeah, in-person instructions getting ready to happen in New York State, which I thought meant that if you wanted the schools to be open, then that meant you were trying to kill everybody, particularly the old and immunocompromised. So... 
Well, it is Cuomo, so that actually does that does track. So yeah. We can judge by content of character rather than color of skin. We can care for what? one another. Wait, well, okay, whoa, 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 whoa. You're a Democrat telling me that now we're gonna start judging people by content of character and not by skin color? Really? Have you have you been paying attention for the last, well, really for the last two months, I'll say, but it's been going on a lot longer. Have you heard of white fragility, white privilege, anti-racism? Have you heard of any of these concepts? I know I know he has. I know he has, because this is the, the base of the Democratic Party, so he's gaslighting us right now, which is a form of mental abuse employed usually by sociopaths, right? This is what he's engaged in right now. That Americans can work together and forge community and a competent government. That, of course, we will wear masks because we are smart and because I care about you and because you care about me. <laughs> of course, we will socially distance because staying away shows how close we actually are. Yes, we will set up testing and tracing and do whatever we need to do to mobilize to win this battle because we are America. We win wars and we are the greatest country on the globe. And for all the pain and all the tears, our way worked. And it was beautiful. Out, whoa. Sh- our way worked, and it was beautiful. <clears throat> okay. Let me just go back over some stats real quick. There is no leader in the United States or anywhere in the free world who did a worse job preserving life than the governor of New York. David Hassani writes at National Review, Andrew Cuomo was late to enact preventative measures and also downplayed the virus, just like the president that he criticizes. I can't think of a single instance in American political history when exhibiting this level of deadly incompetence has been given such a pass. The illness, not the metaphor, killed 35,000 New Yorkers. It was Cuomo's personal mistake. It was an executive order that he did that forced nursing homes in his state to accept patients who tested positive for the coronavirus. And he did that in March. And that sent thousands to their deaths. The Associated Press puts the real number of nursing home deaths close to about 11,000, more than the total fatality count in any other state except New Jersey. Because, of course, New Jersey. Think about that. One out of three of the deaths in New York were in nursing homes. New York has one of the nation's lowest infection rates right now. Cuomo is correct about that. However, it had the most deaths. The people who got it died of it. And that's why, uh, well, and also herd immunity kicks in. They're thinking somewhere around 25% of the population gets it. And so, yes, you're past the worst of the virus of the first wave. That doesn't mean you did a good job. It doesn't mean you beat it. It doesn't mean your uh, your responses uh, with mask mandates and, and contact tracing doesn't mean you defeated it. It means it's a virus. It killed the weakest people first. The strongest people got it, got immune to it, and moved on. The Associated Press 
reports that Trump blamed Cuomo's poor management for the state's death toll over 32,000. Other criticism of Cuomo during the pandemic centered on nursing homes. According to ProPublica, a Cuomo policy that placed thousands of COVID-19 patients in the state's nursing home uh, and uh, in nursing homes, these facilities have counted uh, more than 6,500 deaths since, which is equal to 6% of New York's total nursing home population. And this guy's going to get up there and say and, and tell us that what they did worked. And it was beautiful. I'm trying to imagine my reaction if I had lost a loved one in a nursing home in New York. To listen to this man say this and to claim credit for it, to call it beautiful the way that they they responded, it's just disgusting. Showed that our better angels are strong and that Americans will rise to their call. We saw that even at the end of the day, even if it is a long day, that love wins. Americans' eyes have been opened and we have seen in this crisis the truth that government matters and leadership matters. Definitely. And it determines whether we thrive and grow or whether we live or die. Right, like the nursing home patients in New York State. I can't believe this man is allowed to say these things and nobody covering the DNC that even, like, I, I'm just, it, it's just incredible that nobody who's covering the DNC says, what is this guy talking about? They pretend like he oversaw a great victory and everybody knows that he did not. It's astounding. Now we need a leader as good as our people. A leader who appeals to the best within us, not the worst. A leader who can unify, not divide. A leader who can bring us up, not tear us down. Like a leader who would scream at a bunch of African Americans that his opponent is going to put you back in chains. Right? Something like that. That kind of a leader? That, that kind of a uniter? Because that's the uniter Joe Biden is. Right? That's what he told African Americans eight years ago. Don't vote for Mitt Romney because he's going to put y'all back in chains. See, that's a unifying message, really, if you think about it. I know that man. I've worked with that man. I've seen his talent. I've seen his strength. I've seen his pain. And I've seen his heart. That man is Joe Biden. Oh, I thought he was Joe Biden say, is what say, I call America tough. Tough in the best way. Tough that is smart, united, disciplined, and loving. Joe Biden can restore the soul of America. Oh, my God. And that's exactly what our country needs today. Joe, B- Joe Biden is going to restore the soul of America. No pressure, Joe. <laughs> that's kind of a, people who think that a political candidate can do stuff like this. What a delusion. What a delusion. The soul of America is us. It's all of us, individual people. It's how we behave every day, how we treat one another every day. It's not the guy in the White House. See, I like how he says that Trump is just a symptom of the division, but Joe Biden isn't, right? He's not a product of anything. No, he's a, he's a soul redeemer, but no pressure, Joe. 
So American Crisis New York is the name of Andrew Cuomo's new book about his experience guiding the state through the coronavirus pandemic. It was announced uh, the morning after he delivered a blistering virtual Democratic National Convention speech indicting President Trump's response to the crisis as incompetent. Published by Random House's Crown imprint, American Crisis will include Cuomo's, quote, frank accounting and assessment of his interactions with the federal government and the White House, according to the press release. It's scheduled for an October 13th release date. Uh, That is three weeks before the election, and it could possibly hit shelves around the same time as former Trump lawyer Michael Cohen's tell-all. Although New York had one of the lowest infection rates, it was the hardest hit by COVID-19. That from Lisette Voitko at Forbes.com. Also, after the speech by Cuomo, Donald Trump reacted, or if you will, uh, let's see, The Hill says he attacks Cuomo or he lashes out at Cuomo. Uh, So I'll have that in a second. First, I have this for you. The triple zero deal and Mattress Man. Zero down, 0% APR financing for up to 24 months and zero payments for 90 days. Triple zeros. Also, how about a queen-sized gel memory foam mattress for $399? You're not going to beat that. That is a great deal. And with the purchase of select mattresses, you'll get sheets, protectors, and pillows, part of the free bedding bundle. Mattress Man, four locations in Asheville, Arden, and Hendersonville. They ship nationwide, so let the sleep consultants help you find the right bed for you. People sleep differently, and how you sleep uh, is going to uh, largely determine what kind of a mattress is going to provide you the best support. So let them help you pick the right mattress for you. Five-star delivery service locally, a 120-day comfort guarantee. Experience the difference. It is at Mattress Man, mattressmanstores.com. Buy local and sleep better. So after Cuomo made his speech, President Trump attacked, lashed out, seized on him, pounced on him, saying the governor does not have, quote, a very good memory after the coronavirus pandemic. He criticized Cuomo by retweeting a video that was posted by his campaign showing Cuomo praising the Trump administration for its assistance during the pandemic in different clips. (laughs) Cuomo, just like his brother Fredo, oh no, oh my goodness, has, uh, has not got a very good memory, he posted. His brother, who he called Fredo, is Chris Cuomo, the CNN anchor. And uh, Chris Cuomo has been (laughs) Chris Cuomo has been called Fredo by his critics, uh, named after the character in the Godfather movie. And uh, that is because Fredo in the movie was not as not as sharp. He was not as quick-witted as his brother, and so he wanted to be the leader and wanted to be a leader of the mafia family, but he wasn't cut out for it. He wasn't smart enough. And so that's why that's why Chris Cuomo gets the name. And he hates it, by the way. He, he threatened to beat people up uh, when they called him uh, Fredo to his face at a... Uh, at some sort of a function out in New York. Anyway, Cuomo slammed the Trump administration during that speech, right? And shortly after he spoke, the Trump campaign posted the video that included clips of several Democratic governors, including Cuomo 
and the California Governor Gavin Newsom and the New Jersey Governor Phil Murphy and New Mexico Governor Michelle Lujan Grisham all commending the administration. The video showed Cuomo speaking in three clips from different press conferences, including one where he applauded uh, Trump's team for being, quote, on it. (laughs) Yeah. So, oh, you know, it kind of reminds me of the uh, Chris Christie walk on the beach with Barack Obama, right? Because during times of crisis, you act in a nonpartisan way. You're like, thank you very much for your assistance. I really couldn't have done it without you. Thanks so much. And you do that publicly. And then fast forward a few months and you're like, this guy stinks. He didn't help us at all. And you're like, well, let me just go back to the uh, videotape here and show you that you you thought I did a pretty good job when you were thanking me for. Well, I didn't mean it back then. Oh, all right. So you were a liar then or you're a liar now? Which is it? You're going with then because you need it to be the case now? Is that the idea? Of course, that's the idea. Duplicitous hypocritical hacks. What's interesting, though, is all of this, how it relates to the trajectory of the Democratic Party. Uh, and I've actually been sitting on a story. It's now several months old, or, or it's a uh, it's an analysis piece at Bloomberg by Ramesh Panuru. And the name of it is called How Democrats Became the Party of the Upper Middle Class. House Democrats, you'll recall back then, they introduced the HEROES Act. And one of the provisions in that act was to restore the full deductibility of state and local taxes, which the Republican legislation of 2017 had limited, right? When the Republicans did their tax uh, deal, they uh, the tax cuts, they got rid of the um, deductibility for state and local taxes. And everybody said this is going to hurt the blue states a lot because they pay a high, uh, higher taxes. The issue doesn't really have a lot to do with coronavirus, but it was in that bill. Um, and there's only a loose relationship between the states hardest hit by it and the states, the virus, and those whose residents have faced the most tax increases because of the deductibility limit. Now, liberal think tanks have even criticized uh, this tax exemption, um, noting that 56% of its benefits actually flow to the top 1% of households and 80% goes to the top 5%, right? So it's hypocritical, basically, for a party that rails against tax cuts for the rich. Don't you think? Because repealing the cap is still a party priority for Democrats. After House Democrats impeached President Trump on December 18th, the very first thing they did after that was to pass the full deductibility bill the very next day. So, like, this this deductibility bill only affects really rich people. Wealthier people, affluent people, right? But the Democrats' solicitude, he says, for the interests of the affluent in this case, may not be the aberration it appears to be. It reflects the party's long-term movement up the socioeconomic ladder, and it shows why Democrats may find it impossible to reclaim their historical identity as a working-class party. By the way, did you see the the boat parade? I I think that's what they call it. Although, wouldn't that be a flotilla, I think? Anyway, uh, all the Trump... Uh, boaters, they set a they set a world record the other day um, for the most amount of boats as part of a parade. I think the previous record was like twelve hundred or so, and they blew it away. It's like eighteen hundred or two thousand boats that were all for this, uh, you know, for a you know parade for Trump in the water. And uh, I saw a commentary from our you know media elites quote-unquote, uh, who were like, oh, yeah, look at these people. They're so rich driving around in their boats and such. 
I'm not so sure they know a whole lot about the boating community, uh, but there are a lot of people that are, you know, tradesmen, working class guys and gals, you know, uh, carpenters, welders. I mean, I grew up on Long Island. A lot of people had boats, rich and poor, because just being out on the water was a part of life. And uh, you can get small boats, pretty cheap. Uh, although I have heard the old joke, you know, that a boat is a hole in the water that you just throw money into, which is <laughs> it's just true. Also true. Now more than ever, you need old Grouch's military surplus in downtown Clyde. He's got an expanded line of first aid kits and medical supplies. He's been uh, selling these things out like hotcakes or like first aid kits, I guess you could say, uh, for all kinds of emergencies from scrapes to gunshot wounds. Step-by-step instructions are all included, so anybody can follow it. Um, Body armor, all kinds. These are made to NATO specs. Even if they're not American military, they're made to NATO specs. These are for purchase in-store or over-the-phone only. Face masks, they are made by a local disabled veteran family out of military parachutes. They're lightweight and soft. He has the the pre-government ban steel gas cans. These are the good ones, right? And if you don't know what I'm talking about, go down to Old Grouches and check them out for yourself. You can get them as is, or he'll even paint them for a nominal fee. Uh, Tons of real U.S. military surplus for more than three decades. Old Grouches military surplus on Main Street in downtown Clyde. The shop is open Monday through Saturday across the street from the anti-aircraft gun and at oldgrouch.com. All right, so Ramesh Panuru in Bloomberg, Bloomberg Bloomberg.com, back in May, says that in U.S. politics today, class is more a function of formal education than it is of income anymore. The two are linked. Yes, college graduates, you know, on average earn more than people who attended college but didn't graduate. And that second group, they tend to earn more than people who never went. And over time, schooling has become relatively more important in voting behavior and money less so. Most non-white Americans vote for Democrats regardless of diploma or income. What underlies the new educational divide is a shift in the preferences of white voters. In exit polling from 2008 through 2016, the Republican advantage among white voters without college degrees widened greatly. White voters with college degrees uh, have moved towards the Democrats. They used to be a reliably Republican group. Isn't that interesting? White voters with college degrees used to be Republicans. Now they are for Democrats, uh, more so than not. The Trump presidency is both an effect and a likely accelerant of this trend. It goes far beyond him, though. After World War II, the voters without college degrees voted to the left of voters with degrees. Over time, though, voters with degrees have become the more left-wing group. This swap of voters poses several problems for the traditional left in the U.S. The most basic is that the resulting coalition for relatively left-wing parties is not large enough, at least not yet. The support of the working class allowed the New Deal coalition to dominate American politics for decades, right? These days, though, even when the Democratic Party attains a majority, it's a thin one, and it's clustered in large cities in a way that reduces its political power. The changed class basis of the party also constrains it on economic policy. A lot of the upper middle class suburbanites who are an increasing share of its voters, they don't like the idea of tax increases and losing their health insurance, right? 
less concretely put, but perhaps more distressingly for the left's true believers, the shift erodes the moral credibility of their historical self-presentation as the champion of the downtrodden. Right? If you're always positioning yourself as the party of the downtrodden, the party of the victim, the party of the, the little guy, the underdog, yeah, that's not so much the case anymore. The white working class people um, are a shrinking proportion of the overall electorate. And so the responses that the Democratic Party has adopted here, um, that a lot of them say, well, you know, we'll just write it off. Just write off that whole demographic, the white working class and pin the party's hopes on a coalition of the ascendant or the rising American electorate of non-whites who are growing in numbers, and uh, you pair them up with young, college-educated whites who are growing even more and more left. Okay, So that's one idea. Just write them off. The other response the Democrats have kind of messed around with is attempting to appeal to working-class whites by moving to the left and populist on economics while sidelining social issues. The theory here uh, goes back to that book you may have heard called What's the Matter with Kansas, which claimed that Republicans have used abortion, guns and immigration and other divisive social issues to distract working class voters from pursuing their economic interests. You've heard that argument. Why are you voting against your own interests? Right. But neither strategy, either abandoning the white working class or using economics to court it, has proved successful. The first response to abandon it um, was the central mistake of Hillary Clinton's campaign, right? Banking on these hypothetical voters of the future while ignoring the ones that actually exist, (laughs) like Wisconsin, for example, right? That didn't work. The second course of action or the second response um, is undermined by the failure of Bernie Sanders and his presidential campaigns. If he had consistently won large majorities among white working class voters, it would have vindicated this theory behind his candidacy. But he didn't. In the end, he did worse than Vice President Biden, right? So, uh, and he never increased the turnout, um, generated this increase in turnout that all of his defenders said that he would. It never happened. It's probably also uh, correct to say that left-wing economics has wider potential appeal than cultural progressivism, right? So that's why people are more willing to go along with with leftist ideas on economics, but not so much on the social issues. It's not as though Democrats can simply flip a switch, though, and make U.S. politics turn on economics rather than cultural and moral issues. That's what U.S. politics turns on now, not the economics. And I can tell you as one who has been advocating for less spending and deficit reduction and debt reduction, like nobody cares about that. Nobody cares about the value of the dollar and the Federal Reserve and interest rates. Nobody cares about that stuff, right? It's all cultural issues. That is what interests and excites a lot of today's Democrats. It's why they're Democrats. It's why Republicans are Republicans a lot of times. A Democratic Party organized around populist economics would have to tolerate social conservatives being in their party. And they won't do that. We know they won't do that. They've proven over and over again they won't do that. So the awakening of white Democrats is in part a consequence of the realignment of white voters along cultural lines. Socially conservative whites, they've left the Democratic Party, and socially liberal whites joined it, while non-whites of varying views on social issues are mostly Democrats. Why I've always said that if the Republican Party is um, is able to siphon away and attract enough votes from basically one demographic group, and that is African-Americans. If African-Americans voted like other racial groups, Democrats would never win 
races because they need every one of the black voters to vote Democrat. They need all of it. 90 plus percent. That's what the African-Americans vote for Democrats. Uh, uh, that's, that's, that's been their historical trend. And if they voted like whites or, or Hispanics uh, or Asians or any other group, and I'm not saying they have to vote majority for Republicans. They just, if, they, if it wasn't a nine to one ratio, Democrats would lose a lot, a lot, which is probably why they stoke a lot of racial animus all the time, because they need that voting block to be secure as part of their base. This is not to deny that voters' economic interests have their effect, too, Panuru writes. One reason Democratic voters' views have shifted on immigration is that fewer of them regard themselves as potential competitors with immigrants and more of them as potential employers of immigrants. Here we come to one more barrier between white, uh, working-class whites and the Democratic Party. The party's economic agenda, even on its left wing, increasingly reflects the priorities of its new upper-middle-class supporters. Right? Um, the Manhattan Institute has a guy named Brian Riedel, and uh, it's a conservative think tank. He says, much of today's Democratic agenda serves to redistribute income from the very richest Americans to the merely affluent. Even Medicare for all is less progressive in economic terms than you might think. Its precise impact would depend on the choices made to fund it, um, which they never tell you how. But the Committee for a Responsible Budget concluded that it's actually just going to increase transfer payments to all income groups, uh, but more for individuals higher up the income ladder. Why? Because people who are lower in the income ladder, they're already getting taxpayer-financed or subsidized health coverage. So who's really going to benefit? The more affluent. It's not a coincidence that this agenda lines up so neatly with the emerging shape of the Democratic voting base. So yesterday, got a little bit of uh, bad news from Rowena Patton, but it was honest news, which is uh, that we're probably going to have to uh, buy, not build, because... She walked us through the numbers and gave us like the, you know, the reality of the situation and uh, where we wanted to build and how much it would cost and all that. And this is why she's such a good real estate agent, because she's going to tell you honestly what you're looking at. And so now Christy and I are more focused uh, and we're now looking to buy a house. Still not sure where. I still don't want to be inside city limits. I don't want to reward the city. <laughs> um, but. What we did is what you should do. Call Rowena first if you're looking to buy or sell your house. 333-4483. Mountainhomehunt.com is the website. And put Rowena Patton and her team to work for you. Buying or selling the only agent that we called. Rowena Patton. 333-4483. Mountainhomehunt.com. And start packing. All right. And finally, we had a lot of reaction to the story about Madison Cawthorn, the accusations against him. And I'm just going to read a couple of them. You can see more at the Facebook group. Uh, you have to apply to become a member, but it's the Pete Callender Show Facebook group. Uh, here's a message from a longtime listener. The stuff about Cawthorn and females is confirmed by two of my daughters. We have homeschooled since 1990, and they know him through uh, through that and Biltmore Baptist. There are two other girls in Hendersonville that have similar stories about him being handsy. One girl's last name is, I'm not going to say, but uh, he says, my 25-year-old daughter was at an event where she heard him ask girls to sit on his lap and ride around in his wheelchair. This was my concern with him winning the primary, that his youthful behavior would come out and then possibly carry over to D.C. 
here's one from Monica that the first allegation is stupid on his part um, with the one where he uh, was at the campfire, the one that was the Instagram post that got all of the news coverage initially. The other two that were included in the World Magazine uh, article, those two are disturbing. Monica says he seems to have an M.O., uh, I'd have to see the ladies, though, to see if they seem credible. I think that second one might even technically be kidnapping because he locked the car doors when she tried to get out, and that might technically be kidnapping, if true. Um, and does it matter that the accusers are all liberals? Not sure it matters how much. I don't know, but I guess she could have made it sound a lot worse. Um, and I think that the politics of the accusers does matter because they're accusing a Republican. And I think it's just odd that he never would have tried this against what conservative girls. It's only liberal girls. How does that work? But also he is running for an elected position and there is a political payoff for people who are activists, right? If they are able to help defeat a candidate, there's a payoff there politically. On the website, I've got a bunch of people saying this is garbage, it's typical playbook smearing from the Democrats, and uh, that he's in a wheelchair, it's not like he can corner anybody. Um, This one is from uh, a fellow named Blaine who says he played football uh, with Madison in high school, and this doesn't surprise him. Uh, I don't know him that well, the culture on the team, the homeschool circles and church circles was chauvinistic and very anti-Christian. I've talked to some of the women, and I believe their stories. None of them were pressured by any outside influences. They came forward independently and share similar experiences. His behavior was predatory and disgraceful, and being a teenager does not excuse or justify it. The fact that this is being brushed off as a political attack isn't surprising from people who support a man with 20-plus sexual assault allegations admitted to sexual harassment, has court documents testifying that he and Epstein raped and abused a 14-year-old girl together, as well as a long history of misogyny. You can hear where this is going, right? He then, it just descends into an anti-Trump screed. Then I got, you know, these, it's ridiculous. Um, what guy hasn't tried to kiss a girl when they were in their teens grasping at straws uh, such a terrible thing to do democratic crap again go get him madison behind you all the way so these are the reactions you can read some and you can participate in some at the facebook group that's a wrap for this episode remember subscribe to the podcast thanks so much for your support we'll talk to you later don't break anything while i'm gone